Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Typically on this show, I like to offer up a decent amount of context before jumping into an interview, but today I want to save that for afterwards because I don't want to get in the way of Masood Shinazai, our guest today. He's a journalist and fixer in Afghanistan and was courageous enough to share with us what life has been like under Taliban rule coupled with debilitating U.S. sanctions. After his interview, I'll offer a little more global background. Masood Shinazai, welcome to Deconstructed. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Ryan. It's uh, good to be here. And so this past summer here in the United States, uh, Afghanistan was the only thing anybody wanted to talk about on the news for about a week or two. And after that week or two ended, the situation in Afghanistan essentially has uh, has faded entirely from view here in the United States. Tell us a little bit about this, how this, how the summer was uh, for you? Where, where were you when the uh, when the Taliban uh, finally took over Kabul? Uh, well, uh, uh, when the Taliban took over Kabul, I was in Herat, and Herat uh, fell to the Taliban before Kabul. The Taliban capture Afghanistan's third biggest city, Herat, with reports they've taken Kandahar too. So I was in Herat, and and on a Thursday. Herat fell to the Taliban, and then on a Sunday, two days later, three days later, Kabul fell to the Taliban. And everybody was scared to death, you know, and the situation was very chaotic. Um, people were fleeing, people were trying to leave the country. You know, the evacuation in, in Kabul airport, it was uh, disastrous. Outside the last remaining U.S. base at Kabul airport, chaos continues. Shooting, violence, Taliban whips. The death toll following yesterday's devastating bomb attack at Kabul airport has risen to 170. There's now heightened Taliban security around the airport. So what, what were the, uh, the immediate first days under the new Taliban rule like, both for you and for the, the city? Well, the immediate few days, nobody knew what's going to happen and what's happening, what will be happening next. You know, it, it was chaotic and, and uh, it was a, a dark future. Uh, the, the Taliban, they formed a new government, but they didn't have any, any plans for how they will run the, the new government, the new administration, how they will treat the people, how they will treat the previous government employees and, and the American allies. And the situation remains uh, still very uncertain. We don't know what will happen in the spring or next summer. So nobody knows the future. The, the Taliban went on an international tour, so to speak, saying that you know they were going to be a different uh, Taliban than they were the last time that they were in power. 
Uh, some people said this is all just PR. Don't don't believe it from them. Um, how much of that was PR, and how much you know? How different are they from the last Taliban? Well, uh, they are different in a way that now they are allowing uh, certain things that they did not allow the first time they took over. Like for example, they allow shaving beards. They they are not chopping off hands of robbers. They are not uh, executing people for adultery or we have not seen any executions yet. We have not seen any cutting hands. And also uh, they are allowing some degree women to go to work, to go to school, to go to universities. So they, they look different. They are saying that we, we are now more experienced than um, the 20 years ago. When it comes to the conditions, like just the material conditions that people are living under, was there a a slow decline, or was it uh, much? Was it more rapid once the Taliban came into power? It was a, a rapid decline because with the with the fall of the government, Afghanistan's uh, economy was dependent mostly on foreign aid and foreign military expenditure, uh, so it was heavily dependent on foreign dollars. So once uh, the government collapsed, the, the foreign aid stopped, the military expenditure stopped, um, the, the previous government uh, expenditure stopped, uh, a lot of people, uh, they lost their jobs. And, and people, you know, the, the, the country was already in a, in a very bad economic situation because of a drought and because of the coronavirus pandemic. So, and, and after the collapse, you know, the, 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 the economic challenges got doubled and tripled and, and, and you know, uh, the, all of the, um, the, the business people, like the business class and, and the rich people also, they were evacuated. Um, the banks collapsed, you know, people did not have cash to buy food or, or other necess uh, necessary um, items. So, so it was very rapid, you know. And what, what does that look like in, in real life, day to day? Uh, how many, like if you, if you walk around, how many shops are open that used to be open? How many, are there any banks that are still open? Um, you know, how many people do you know that were, were thrown out of work? So many of them, so many of them, like, like so many shops, maybe 30% of the shops, they, they, they are not running anymore. The businesses like that, the big businesses like hotels and, and, and manufacturing companies or, or uh, they, they, they've stopped operations, you know, uh, banks have stopped uh, providing services, you know, Azizi Bank, uh, one of the, the biggest banks, they are not able to provide uh, cash to, to their customers who wants to withdraw their, their, their money. You know, I, I personally have some, some cash in, in Azizi bank and I'm not able to, to withdraw for, for three months now, you know, because there are long, long queues, uh, uh, in front of the banks. And then you have to wait for, for a week to, 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 to withdraw $200, you know, that's a very difficult situation. The consumption of the people, it, uh, it's been reduced by 50%. And, and on, on the other hand, you know, uh, the, the Afghan currency, uh, lost its value, you know, 30 to 35% of its value against the dollar. Um, the food prices, the commodity prices have spiked by, um, 40 to 50%. So, the situation is uh, right now it's very bad and, and 
people, you know, we have uh, very uh, vulnerable people in Afghanistan, like more than half of the population. Uh, we have people who do not have uh, shelter, who do not have uh, food, who do not have access to, to, to basic health services. If, if you do have cash or let's, or you do have U.S. dollars, uh, and or you can access them at the bank. What is what's available to buy? Well, uh, things are available. You know, there there was uh, food is available in the market. You know, the, the, uh, but the, only the prices have spiked. You know, the fuel prices uh, they were around um, 40, 45, 40 afs um, before the fall, uh, and now it's uh, gone up to seventy five afs. You know. It's um, nearly doubled, you know. You know these commodities are available in 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 the market, but but you know people don't have enough cash to buy. You know that's why they have reduced their consumption. And if somebody does work a you know a typical working class type of job in in Harad or in Kabul, what 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 type of income can they expect at this point compared to what the what what the prices are that you're just talking about? Well, the income as compared to the prices is, is, is very less, you know, you know, uh, one person in a month cannot earn 50 to 60% of the, 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 their expenses, you know, you know, the incomes are different, you know, the incomes like the labor, the laborers, um, they are making, you know, two, three, up to $4 per day if they find work, you know, and then, uh, like, a like in NGOs or uh, United uh, Nations organizations or other humanitarian NGOs, the salaries are around $1,000. Like for the month? For the month, yeah. So uh, those people are uh, doing better off, but, but uh, the people who are farming or doing labor work, they, they are not able to, to, to cover their costs with their income. And what, what's, the, what's the effect of the U.S. sanctions? Uh, on this, on the situation in the U.S. the U.S. seizure of Afghan government money, is is it is it noticeable? And do people understand it as related to the economic conditions? Yes, it is understood that the, that now that the banks have collapsed and they don't have cash to pay to to their customers is because of the the dollars that are frozen by the U.S. government and also the the devaluation of the Afghan currency the. Uh, that it lost its value against the dollar is also because of the the U.S. sanctions, and and uh, uh, and uh, the dollar inflow uh, that's cut, you know, has also uh, you know um, affected our our uh, trade uh, with other countries. Um, we we don't have enough dollars to 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 purchase from our uh, trading partner countries, uh, and also you know. Uh, Right now, uh, Afghanistan banks, uh, the wire transfers are not working. The the, most, the the credit cards are not working because all of these international money transfer transactions are approved in, in the United States, in, in, in New York. So that's why, you know, um, um, you know, even with, with, uh, with, with countries like Turkmenistan and the Central Asian countries from who uh, Afghanistan buys its fuel and gas, they cannot uh, make banking transactions, so uh, it's become very difficult. And so, if also if relatives of 
those who are still in Afghanistan want to send money to help. Is, is that possible or is that being blocked by sanctions too? That's uh, also, you know, uh, like a bank-to-bank -bank wire transfer is not possible. Western Union was working for some time, but then that also stopped working. MoneyGram also stopped working. Local exchangers are there who are um, transferring through a Hawala system, which is a local system. So that's uh, possible, but that also very costly. Right. So they, in other words, they're taking a big chunk out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There's reporting, too, that the U.S. is blocking international organizations like the IMF and the World Bank from from offering assistance. Is that, is that something that people talk about there as well? Yes. The, the, the World Bank, uh, they were uh, implementing a lot of development projects in Afghanistan. And there were big, big projects. A lot of people were employed on those projects. And, and, and it was a source of income for so many people. And it was also uh, taking a part in the in the economy of Afghanistan. Those all projects are stopped now. And, and it has uh, created a, a, an economic problem. It's added to, to unemployment. And as, as this gets reported here in the United States, people talk about the potential of, you know, tens of millions of people starving over over the winter, but I'm I'm curious. Do you think that there are already people, children uh, and, or adults, who are starving to death today, like at this point? Yes, there are. There are people. You know, it's very cold right now. It's minus minus seven to eight degrees Celsius, and and there are people who are without a shelter and who are who don't have enough food to, 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 to eat, you know, I know like, uh, last month I was in, in, in Herat and I, I saw a, a town with, with hundreds of, uh, internally displaced families living on, on the plain ground without a roof, you know, on top of them. And, and, and they were not having any cash. They were not having, uh, like plain bread, you know, so, so those people, I fear they, they will be starving right now. So the, uh, the United States under pressure just recently announced that it would be sending some $300 million in aid, but it would be rooting it around the Taliban, you know, two nonprofits in, in Afghanistan. How, how was that news received and, and what effect do you think it would have? Well, that was welcome to, uh by the people and that uh, uh, aid will be channeled through uh, UN organizations, you know, and the UN organizations, they, they, they are, you know, they are not uh, responsible to the government of Afghanistan or to anybody in Afghanistan. So it will be, it will be good, you know, there will be, it will be dollars coming to Afghanistan, but, but also, you know, uh, the UN uh, uh, projects are, uh, um, not um, so effective because, you know, they're uh, spending a, a very big uh, portion of the aid on their admin cost. So a big part of that will go to, to their admin cost, to their own salaries and, and, and all those things. And, and some part will be distributed among the, the, the people, the people who, who need the, the assistance. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, 
and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So the United States is causing all of this extraordinary amount of suffering, um, already likely causing a significant amount of death. And what is the sense of why? Like, if you talk to people in Afghanistan, what's their sense of why we are doing this? Like, what is the outcome that we hope for? Is, is the expectation that we are trying to topple the Taliban? No, um, there are different, different opinions about this. You know, everybody has his own opinion like uh, some people will say that uh, the U.S. is uh, pressuring the Taliban to form an inclusive government to include American allies like uh, the ones in the previous government. And some uh, think that the, the U.S. is uh, planning uh, to remove all the sanctions and recognize the new Afghan government, but they uh, are looking for some reasons, you know, to, to convince their own public. Uh, so yeah, there, there are different different opinions, and some on the extreme they are saying that the U.S. is uh, an enemy and uh, they will never be a friend. And so there are different views about this. Uh, do you have a view? Uh, you know, you, you you've met a lot of Americans. You know, you probably understand our government as well as I do. I can't really put my finger on why they're doing it. My only guess is spite. At, at this point, but I'm curious what your own take is, why the United States is causing so much, so much misery. Well, uh, um, in my point of view, uh, one thing is that uh, the United States want to pressure Taliban to form an acceptable government to the United States and to the international community to include other uh, fractions uh, in the political environment of Afghanistan. And secondly, uh, I think that Biden administration, they do not want to recognize the Taliban because uh, they fought with the Taliban for 20 years. And now after they gave the power to, to the Taliban and uh, it was like a surrender and now their recognition, it will tarnish uh, Biden's reputation and, and it will uh, reduce his chances of winning in the next uh, United States presidential elections. So that's what I think the reason is. And do you think that there's anything that the Taliban is capable of doing that would satisfy the United States to meet both those conditions? Yes, uh, they, they, they can do some things like form a transitional government with, with, with all the, the political fractions of Afghanistan. They, 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 um, but they will not do that. You know, they will not uh, accept elections, you know, democratic elections, they will never accept that. If they do a democratic elections, they, they give women their rights. 
uh, like the fighting uh, against ISIS they are doing right now and 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 the US will be uh, satisfied with that I think but but other things like the women rights and human rights and, and democratic transfer of power if they do that they will be able to convince the the US government to recognize them and where does this where does this go from here in your sense if 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 there's a stalemate in the sense that the things that the United States wants to see aren't things that the Taliban is willing to do, then what? Are, are we just going to see millions of people starve to death? Well, the problem is that the, the Taliban were against a democratic process. They were against elections. They were against all this. And, and now and they will not be able to, to reach to a consensus among themselves to, to accept such a big change, you know, that's the, the, the biggest problem. Like the women rights, uh, they're flexible right now. They're allowing women to go to work and, and school. The only thing is that they're not uh, giving um, like ministers or directors positions to women right now, but there are still women working in, in, in some uh, government departments, like in the health and education sectors. Where are, where's the public placing the blame relative to uh, the United States or the Taliban? Is the Taliban taking the brunt of the blame or, or is that being channeled more to the US? The, the public is divided. Some are blaming the, the, the United States, some are blaming the, the Taliban, some are blaming the, the previous Afghan government. And how, how is that affecting the, the Taliban? And what, what, are the, what are the factions within the Taliban right now that are dominant? Well, uh, in, uh, according to their official statements, they are just one Islamic Emirate and they are just one movement. But uh, the people are talking that there are two fractions in the Taliban. What are, what are the two factions and which one is ascendant, if, if either? Well, um, there is the, the Haqqani network and then there is the Emirati, the Islamic Emirate, you know, the, the, the Kandaharis. So the, these are the two uh, factions that, that the media and the people are talking about. Taliban was, uh, are dismissing this and they're saying that these are just allegations and these are foreign propaganda. So um, actually uh, nobody knows what is the reality. And what have they been able to stand up in by way of an actual government? Is it even fair to call them at this point? A, a government. I mean, in other words, who is responsible day to day for the, the kind of basic services that people expect a government to take care of? Well, uh, actually, uh, they are a government right now. They are an administration. They are and they are providing the security right now. They are fighting the ISIS. They have. They are providing uh, justice. But they are not like a proper government. They are not able to pay. Uh, the salaries of teachers, they are not able to pay the, the salaries of their own police. Uh, they are not able to pay the, the, the doctors, you know, that the hospitals are run. Most of the hospitals, they are collapsing and then the health system is you know, on a verge of collapse. And now that the UN, the World Health Organizations and other uh, international organizations have stepped in, like the UNICEF and others, they are paying the salaries to the doctors, to the nurses in the hospitals. And also there is an, uh, a shortage of electricity. They are very uh, 
inexperienced in running a proper administration and a proper government and and they have fired uh, most of the previous government's employees and they are appointing their own movement members uh, who do, do not have uh, the expertise and then the uh, required qualification and experience so so they uh, very successful in running a proper administration. How have things been for you personally? Have you have you had times when you've been unable to uh, buy the food you need? Or have you been able to keep your home heated? I lost my job with with the collapse, uh, and I for for some time I was having difficulties. I had some cash in the bank, but uh, uh, like once in a while I was able to to withdraw. Uh, some cash uh, in order to uh, cover my daily, my monthly expenditures. But then uh, I I started working as a fixer and a freelance journalist with some foreign media. And it's better now. Like In the summer, it was very bad and I was uh, having economic problems. My, my salaries were all stuck in the bank and, you know, my savings, everything. And, I was having uh, a lot of difficulties, but now I'm, I'm, I'm okay. And now that you've been able to get at least back onto your feet, have, ha, is it such a, is it the kind of situation where, uh, you're kind of helping out a ton of people in the community? I, I would imagine that the, the few people, you know, who are able to make it at this time, yeah, you know, p people in the community know who's able to make it. Yes, exactly. There are there are a few uh, lucky ones who are who are able to to have some income and they have the social obligation or responsibility to help others, like relatives. We have to help each other. We are in a tribal country. What What's your hope for how or when the United States might finally ease these sanctions? Well, I hope. By 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 the spring, they will reach to a an agreement, and, and 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 they also agree on a on a proper inclusive government in Afghanistan, and also they lift their sanction and recognize um, the new government. But I also have the fear that that the Biden administration might not recognize and might not remove the sanctions until his end of his term. What you know, what would the consequences of that be if three years from now, you know, it, three what would three years of this do to the country? Three more years, I should say. If the U.S. does not uh, remove its sanctions and do not recognize the new government, nobody else will. You know, our the closest friends of the Taliban were Iran and Pakistan and Russia and China. They have not yet come forward to recognize the new government. So the, the internet, all the countries, including the Europe, including Russia, the, everybody's waiting for the United States to first recognize uh, the Afghan government, and then they will recognize. So if, uh, if it takes three years, it will go on like this. The economic situation will get worse every day. And, and the, the current, the value of the currency will, will go to evaporate, evaporate. Yeah. And, and we will have uh, no, no dollars to, to import commodities from, from other countries. And so people will be starving and, and there will be great, great migrations from Afghanistan to, 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 to the Europe, to, to other countries. And uh, 
it will be a disaster, a real disaster. Have you seen migration start to start to pick up? And, and if so, where are people headed? And how successful have they been in getting there? Well, right now, uh, hundreds of thousands of people uh, have already left. And right now also they are leaving. Uh, they are leaving to Iran. And from Iran, they're trying to uh, go to Turkey, to go to, from there, go to Europe. Some people are going to Pakistan. And from Pakistan, they're trying to find ways to go to uh, European countries, to Australia, to, to, to anywhere they, they are able to do it. Like, like people are going to, to countries like Cyprus, to like uh, Romania, you know. Everywhere is better than Afghanistan because, you know, there is no jobs. The, 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 the political situation is unclear. The security situation is uh, the future uh, is not clear. So nobody knows how will be the security situation next year. So people are leaving. And if you ask the United States government, they'll say, well, it's unfair to blame us because we have put in place exemptions for, you know, humanitarian aid. And so, you know, it's, it's not the case that what we're doing is producing all of this misery. What would, what would people say if they heard that that was the United States position? Well, uh, I would say that the humanitarian assistance is like how much? It's like $300 for a whole family for a month or maybe $400, $300, that's for, for uh, the, the, the neediest families. It's not going to provide jobs to everyone, to, to those people who lost their jobs in, in, in this year, you know. Uh, it's not creating any employment, it's just some, some instant cash for their immediate needs. And, and that, that money is also getting spent on, on, on food and, and uh, on uh, imported commodities. And, and that, 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 that dollars is, uh, it, it exits Afghanistan in, um, very instantly. Well, Masood, if, and this is by no means any type of uh, long-term solution, but if people do want to help out, if American people do want to help out, is there anything they can do charity-wise, aside from a political pressure on the United States? Or is it just the case that uh, the sanctions are making it basically impossible to get money into people who need it? Well, there, there, there is a way to, to get money to the people who need it. That's through the United Nations, but not, that's not very effective. That's not very efficient. You know, the, the best way is for the international community, for the United States, for the, for the World Bank, for all those big donors to, to come back and, and, and take part in the reconstruction into, to, into resuming all the, the, the projects that they stopped, uh, to complete all those projects and then people will get, back on their jobs and, and we, we, we will not need so much, uh, um, emergency aid, you know, hmm. it's, it's better to, to, uh, uh, you know, to, to help us in, in the reconstruction, you know, now the, that there is no war, we can build this country in a short time. Well, Masood, thank you so much for taking some time. I really appreciate it. You're most welcome. Thank you so much. That was Masood Shnazai, and he made a number of points worth unpacking. First, on the question of the banks, he is dead right that it's become a central problem, a main driver of the economic collapse. 
Because of the sanctions and the seizure of Afghanistan's money, banks don't have the cash they need and importers can't pay for imports. The $9 billion we're holding amounts to something staggering like 18 months worth of imports. What's wild, though, is that the U.S. could release the money and it's not as if it would go directly to the Taliban. It would go to the central bank, which is a quasi-independent institution that still has Western board members on it. All of it is done electronically, so it could be tracked, unlike the way the previous Afghan government would just load stacks of cash onto airplanes and fly it out to Dubai. So nearly 50 members of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, in a December letter to President Biden, made a similar point. They write, quote, Current and former Afghan central bank officials appointed by the U.S.-supported government advocate for providing Afghanistan's central bank access to hard currency reserves. We urge you to consider these proposals, supported by private sector associations such as the Afghan Chamber of Commerce and Investment and the Afghanistan Banks Association, to quickly ease restrictions on the country's access to reserves. We also urge you to work with the IMF to similarly allow access to the emergency financing that was recently allocated for Afghanistan. No increase in food and medical aid can compensate for the macroeconomic harm of soaring prices of basic commodities, a banking collapse, a balance of payments crisis, a freeze on civil servant salaries, and other severe consequences that are rippling throughout Afghan society, harming the most vulnerable, unquote. The International Red Cross, meanwhile, has begun to get extremely aggressive in its rhetoric. The typically staid organization recently blasted the U.S., saying, quote, Can the international community, and by that they mean the United States, hold 39 million people hostage to the fact that they do not want to recognize the authorities that are now in place in Kabul and in Afghanistan? That's not the kind of language the Red Cross typically deploys. Here's the BBC reporting on that statement and talking with Jan Egelin, General Secretary of the Norwegian Refugee Council, which does extensive work inside Afghanistan. It's now as bad as in our worst nightmares. It's colder in Kabul than it is in Anchorage, Alaska. And the difference between Anchorage and Kabul is that there are hundreds of thousands who do not really have shelter. They do not really have food. They do not have anything really to meet this cruel winter with. The UN is speaking up too. Here's Antonio Guterres, Secretary General of United Nations, speaking Thursday. Freezing temperatures and frozen assets are a little combination for the people of Afghanistan. Rules and conditions that prevent money from being used to save lives and the economy must be suspended in this emergency situation. But back here in the U.S., many Democrats are still in a fantasy land, offering up solutions that read like a cruel parody of liberal imperialism. A letter signed by about 40 mostly moderate Democrats offered this as its first solution to the crisis. Quote, we recommend that the Biden administration release frozen Afghan assets to an appropriate United Nations agency to pay teacher salaries and provide meals to children in schools so long as girls can continue to attend, unquote. Now, girls attending school is a good thing, and it's good that the Taliban is largely allowing that this time. But you can't go to school if you've died of starvation or frozen to death outdoors. And it's harder to do homework if you've had to burn your tables and chairs for heat, as people are doing, or sell your table and chairs for food, as people are also doing. In a just world, Biden and the other administration officials involved in this crime against humanity would be tried for it at The Hague. 
The U.S. media is, of course, not giving this the wall-to-wall attention they did back in the summer when the fate of vulnerable Afghans dominated the news for weeks. But at least in the coverage it's getting, the administration is being hammered for its wanton cruelty. On the New York Times podcast, The Daily, which is extremely influential among the most reliable Democratic voters and donors, Michael Barbaro, in reaction to some excellent reporting by their correspondent in Afghanistan, was simply stunned or confounded, as he put it, at what the administration is doing. Christina, what you're describing feels a bit confounding when it comes to the American decision-making. When it comes to the Afghan component of this economic collapse, drought, that feels difficult to plan for or to fix. But what the United States has done here in freezing money, stopping cash deliveries, leaning on donors and saying, don't let money into Afghanistan, it feels like any smart policymaker in the U.S. would have to understand that that would immediately destroy the Afghanistan economy. So why would the U.S. let that happen? That episode felt like a modern-day version of this famous Walter Cronkite clip. For it seems now more certain than ever that the bloody experience of Vietnam is to end in a stalemate. But it is increasingly clear to this reporter that the only rational way out then will be to negotiate, not as victors, but as an honorable people who lived up to their pledge to defend democracy and did the best they could. LBJ is said to have lamented after watching the program, if I've lost Cronkite, I've lost middle America. Now, Barbaro is no Walter Cronkite, but in today's polarized political environment, if Joe Biden has lost Michael Barbaro, he's lost his part of middle America. And we lost. Own it. Just lift the sanctions and release the money. Deconstructed is a production of First Look Media and The Intercept. Our producer is Zach Young. Laura Flynn is our supervising producer. The show was mixed by Brian Pugh. Our podcast fellow is Troop Wynn. Our theme music was composed by Bart Warshaw. Betsy Reed is The Intercept's editor-in-chief. And I'm Ryan Grimm, D.C. Bureau Chief of The Intercept. If you'd like to support our work, go to theintercept.com slash give. Your donation, no matter what the amount, makes a real difference. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show so you can hear it every week. And please do leave us a rating or review. It helps people find the show. If you want to give us feedback, email us at podcasts at theintercept.com. Thanks so much. See you soon. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com.